You are listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe. Welcome to episode 37 of House of Football with Sports Joe. I'm Eric Lawler, delighted to say, joined in studio with Graeme Gartland and Andy Call. Lads, we go straight into the Premier League action that was the weekend. The big, big, uh, I suppose, most controversial match, uh, most talked about match was the, the City Sports game, the uh, the Sunday special, uh, three-all. Um, people could say that, you know, Spurs on another day would have been beaten 6-7-8-1, uh, but they didn't, and they stuck to their principles, and they, they, they snatched the draw. And, like, over the years, uh, Spurs have an incredible record against City, probably better than anyone else in the Premier League. Uh, you see the game, Graham. What was your it's impressions bit, yeah. of it? I, like that, I thought they gave up a lot of chances, but they created something like not as much as City, but they were a bit more clinical, uh, and they were brave. Like I, I heard a lot of conversations, and we speak about how much football content there is out there, and um, about how sports are playing. But if he's got, if he's gonna stay like this despite his injuries, he's shown up the belief in his system. And he's saying to the players, look, I believe in this. Believe in it with me and come along with me. And yeah, there's going to be times when we take sore ones or, you know, obviously the, the Chelsea game with the sendings off and other results haven't gone their way. But he's not changing and he's not faltering. So he's, he's sending a message to the lads that are out of the team, who want to get in the team, who are going to come back from injury, that this is the way we're going to play. And we're all in on it. And, and I think it's something that probably Spurs have needed as a club that Everybody talks about Spurs through the 80s and the players they had and how they played and all this free-flowing football. I think they won an FA Cup. I think Terry Venables won an FA Cup where Lineker, Gaza got sent off Absolutely, that final. Yeah. The only big silverware that they would have won, even though they, they played good football. And they're yearning for that moment again that they're, they're seen as exciting and being good to watch. And hopefully it delivers a trophy. And I believe that it will eventually deliver a trophy. Do I ever see them being Premier League challengers? Challengers, maybe. I don't know if they'll ever get to the point where they'll ever win a league. I don't think they'll ever have the spending power to do that. Is that in. the reason, Graham? Because City are so far ahead, both like from a playing point of view and a financial point of view? Yeah, I think financially it's just like it's not a level playing field at the moment with City. Uh, and you see that with the players they bring in and even the players that leave. It's not a level playing field. And then you throw in the fact that they have the best infrastructure, they have the best facilities, they have all that as well. You know, it's not the same game they're playing at times. But I think Spurs are just happy that they're going to watch a team that will have a go and play in the right way and it's enjoyable and they want to back that. And they'd rather back that than staying in and being pragmatic. Now, they're, they're going to have to be pragmatic. That'll come, I think. I think that will come. I think eventually it'll come where they can game manage a little bit better. But that comes with the growth of your team. So you really put the philosophy first and then when the team grows, their experience of getting over the line and winning games comes and you nearly, it's a top-down approach, really. And and that's what I've seen. With, now, look, they got a decision that went for them, which is, when you look at it in the face of it, it looks like it's going to be a really good decision from the referee and then for some reason, he probably has a bit of a brain fart and, <laughs> and, and, and calls it back. Mm. But City created enough chances as well and, and I like watching games where it's toe-to-toe and sometimes you're like, there's, there's been really good games where it might be one-all but it's tactically really good and you go, this is interesting but it wasn't a park-the-bus job I'm going to wear you down. It was, look, you might get chances but so are we and, and I, I enjoy watching them types of football and I think that's what the Premier League sells itself on now. Yeah, yeah. So I think the, the yeah. pragmatism will come when yeah. they have a full team. Correct. 
You know, like from a Spurs perspective, they they started that game with Emerson Royale and uh, Davies playing centre back. So you're looking at that and you're like, should we be pragmatic here? Should we park the bus with these players that? Are really not going to be starting in these positions ever again. Should, should we try change? Yeah. yeah, like <laughs> should we try change our entire mindset because we don't have these players, or do I put my entire trust in these players to play this system? And it, even one of the players, I can't remember who it was, said after the game that before the match, and said to them, "If you just lose, if we get battered, it's my responsibility. It'll fall on me. Just trust me that this system will work." And from a Spurs fan, fan perspective, you go out, park the bus, you might lose that game anyway. So why not have a go and you might get a draw against Man City with your, you know, five or six, seven starting players out injured, your entire spine of your best players out injured. You might as well go out and have a go and like they, they got a result. They almost got a result against Aston Villa. They almost, I know they got a bit battered at the end against Chelsea, but in the Chelsea game, they should have won Nine the players. Wolves game yeah. um, had it not been for two amazing goals that you can see, you know, once every 15, 20 games, you know, when's that going to happen again? So in all four of those games now, with their worst possible 11 out, Spurs have been right in it, been really entertaining, and the players have trust in what they're trying to do. So, I mean, in the long term, this is going to really yeah, the pay the The point you make about having central defenders, that if you expose them to constant pressure, as in like 70% possession of the opposition and all this where it's just so backs wet, against forward yeah, wave, kind of wave and attack yeah. eventually they're going to break where if you have your experienced centre-backs and your better centre-backs they might not break because they're able they're, they're better players obviously so again that's a very good point you make mm. from ending that it's like well why expose them more by bringing her on instead of going well look we're going to have a go because I don't want to I don't want to put you under like waves of attack here I, I think that's actually a really good point as well to go look we're going to play on the front foot I, it's something I think and I, I see where England a little bit England probably have a front six that's up there with one of the best in Europe the back line I, I'm unsure of the goalkeeper I'm unsure of and that's where I think Southgate sometimes when I see him being pragmatic I think actually you probably need to go the other way here and blitz teams it's a good point take, as well Yeah, take, take the game away from them by getting the second goal and the third goal and saying, look, now we're good. We can, if we, we, if we give up a chance or Pickford makes a mistake or whatever, we're, we have a safety net. I think sometimes he's nearly overcautious where I think with your front six and with Bellingham, I think you just go, look, that front six are going to win you the game, but we might, it might be a 3-1 instead yeah. of a 1-0. A, a and I think like pragmatic has a different yeah. meaning now. Like people always think, okay, they're being pragmatic, they're going to play backs-to-the-wall stuff, they're going to defend, where it's actually more pragmatic to keep the ball, be a possession-based team, play on the front foot, because that makes more sense. That is actually the safer option in this situation for Spurs than trying to rely on the back four that they currently have to defend. Like yeah. def Defensively, they're not good defenders, but if you put them on the halfway line, they're good on the ball, you can trust them not to make poor decisions when they get the ball, they're fast enough to get back if they're exposed with the high line. Whereas, you, like, that is the pragmatic way of doing it. Whereas if you put them defensively, are you trusting Emerson Royale to be a backs-to-the-wall defender, keep his discipline the entire 90 minutes? You're probably not, so... But it galvanise, he's galvanised Spurs a little bit. Yeah. And that's the bit that, even when they, they're drawing or they're losing, they're, they're coming away with plaudits and belief. Because and they've been in every game. Correct. And, and, that, and that belief spreads throughout the group. And that belief in him, he's going he's gonna to 
take the burden of this and take the pressure off us, but he's going to give us belief in what we're doing. I think he's done an unbelievable job. We'll touch on Man United in, in a little while, but as a Man United, depressed Man United fan, um, I am looking at Ange and Spurs and being incredibly jealous of the impact that man has had on that club and the way the club, the players have bought into it so quickly. And you look at the issues at United at the moment and the way the club is just all over the fucking place. And I'm sorry, I'm getting angry and emotional here. Um, but before we leave the City and Spurs game, I mean, I know there was that controversial decision at the end, but it, it did present as one of the greatest memes of all time in Erling Haaland doing the scream with his hands <laughs> up in his hair and I think the referee should be commended uh, for that decision alone What and, and Harling, uh, sorry, Haaland reacting to it saying WTF I love this it's the only thing that cheered me up today um, but uh, just just on that decision I suppose and it's just it's just another another VAR incident isn't it it's just another or not even a VAR incident it's just the referee just, I think he just had a brain fart yeah I think it? it was just I, th- I think he was thinking that Haaland played the ball into space and he didn't see Grealish. I think it was just a genuine mistake. And like I'm I'm okay with these genuine mistakes. Like yeah, if, as people pointed out like when Haaland Haaland's reaction to it and people were like pointing out to his his miss in the first half or his 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 second miss in the second half and like that's a genuine mistake. He didn't mean yeah. to do that. You know, that's his that's his job. You know, he yeah, he makes true. mistakes so yeah. why aren't referees given the same amount of credit? I think it was just a genuine mistake. Um, whether Grealish, first of all, actually goes on to score can be very questioned, and whether or not he's actually even allowed to, I think Emerson Royale just takes him out and takes yeah. a red card in that situation. It's so late in the game. It's so late in the game. You're you may as well just do it. Take it. Take one for the team and yeah. go out and draw the just game. Take I think red that's cards what for less, hasn't he? In <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair to say. So yeah, I, I don't know what you thought, Graham, but I thought it was it's just genuine. Yeah, I, 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 that's the thing. I, I had sympathy for the ref because I was like, era. yeah, I don't think. I don't know if he's trying to look around bodies to see who actually is on goal and then he's thinking I've tried to give you as much advance as I can it doesn't look like you have it I'll bring it back I actually didn't even mind Haaland's reaction because you don't really see that from him Hmm. like he's not people say he's too robotic and Hmm. he doesn't show any of that and you can tell look he does care maybe the chances were weighing on his thing of oh I could have won the game and put it out of sight but I don't mind that I don't mind the mistake because it happens now you're annoyed if it happens to your team and you're as raging as Haaland, you're like, are you for real here? Like, But again, it's human error and, and players make them. Haaland probably makes it in his reaction as well, but I don't think he'd done it out of badness. I just think he just had one of those moments of this has gone a bit chaotic here. This has been a mad game. What? Oh. And then... And I think you can tell from yeah. himself. He's saying, "Oh, no, no, what am I yeah. after doing? Oh, yeah. no. I can't overturn um, that. Um, but I like Pep re- Pep's reaction to it because... It's always what I think of when when managers go crazy about like ma- marginal decisions like that. Is that you? Well, you should have did enough to win the game in the first place. Yeah, and that's sort of what Pep said. It was like that that decision didn't. We shouldn't the rely on a decision. Yeah, to it was the game. you know their defensive issues were the biggest problem. The fact that they didn't yeah. take their chances were the biggest problem. That decision didn't win or lose or draw City that game. Their that's more refreshing at the moment, especially with the Arteta rant a month ago. That you're like, look, he's lost the game one nil. He's oh, had yeah. he's had a lot of time to score yourselves. Yeah. The referee's decision, as much as it might be that it might be bad in that moment, there's a lot of time for your team to do something. So come out and say, look, we didn't do enough, but ultimately we're undone by a decision. You can both, both way think, over the top. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, I think the whole thing of it, they're the worst in Europe. But don't I don't think that's fair. Uh, but I think both things can be true. Yeah, it's a bad decision, but we probably could do more to win the game. I think sometimes as a coach and as a manager, you have to own that. And I think 
But the problem, I think, sometimes with managers coming out and doing that, if you take responsibility for it, the pile on on you then is is a manager's, look, he's lost them. And you're like, actually, I haven't. I'm just explaining that we didn't do enough as a team. And instead of the conversation going to be the referees, it's the questions of the manager, well, why didn't he do that? Are they not listening to you? Yeah. Have you lost them? And you're like, oh, I've opened myself up to that. So a lot of managers won't open themselves up to it. They'll just go, up. it's easier to blame the ref. The fans then stay with you on it and go, well, we're all with him because he's blaming the ref. They'll all blame the ref. And then you circle the wagons again. And But I agree with Pep saying, like, look, we should have done, we should have killed the game. And that way we're not relying on it. A, a, a poor decision from a referee. Another uh, another feast of goals was at Anfield as well. Liverpool uh, beating Fulham four three, and uh, you know, for Liverpool had their own goal the month competition in the game. Oh, yeah, oh screamers God. in that game, it's ridiculous, wasn't unbelievable. it? <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. And uh, how Trent isn't giving the force one though? How he's not giving the force? He's not giving the force. No, the they're saying he's not getting it. Oh really? What? It's an own goal. Uh, Breaking news here in Joe. Though. Wow, <laughs> I didn't. That's know hot off the press. We did not know that. Heard, yeah, I was <laughs> listening to something this morning. He said he that uh, given it, but uh, like he's, I love watching him. Yeah, <laughs> he's a typical. He's just an absolute footballer, isn't he? Like as in purest. Yeah, I'd say if he's. I was talking to my brother because we were watching the match, and I was like, I'd say if he's playing five sides, like one of his mates could probably beat him. Like as in go by him, and he just. Like, yeah. I says, but then you just go here. You Give just the run ball. the show, like, yeah. Uh, He's the purest of footballers I've seen in a long time and just every type of pass he plays does a message with it. Do you think do you think his talent um as as a player and as technically uh, outweighs his defensive yeah. inabilities, so to speak? I do, yeah. Yeah. I I, 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 I take the good with the bad. I think he's proved that it has. I think if it was the other way around, I, I don't think he'd play. I think if he was anyway less talented with the ball I don't think he play I, I, I just don't because I think like I thought he was poor for the first goal and I think that's the thing of getting used to that system where if he does go in and plays as an extra midfielder when I think it was Kanate in this case breaks into the right back area he has to become the centre back because that's the quickest route to, to the position that's spare in that rotation and I think he just needs to go and get contact with um, boy who scores the ex-Liverpool boy Welch lad name? oh uh, Harry, Harry yeah that's it Harry Wilson yeah, yeah. yeah he comes across and gets it with his left foot I think he should see him and make contact with him but he's in a centre-back position and that's where you're like and you literally in the space of five minutes you've seen the best and probably the worst of him but then he, he has moments where he, I think he has that I think he's grown into that player where he, he's always had moments where he steps up at big occasions and nothing phases him the, I, I remember watching him play and he, I think he had five minutes of like a stinker gave the ball away really really poor and then the next one comes into him and he just hits this pass first time and you're like how, <laughs> do, how does he have that reset like that mm. most players that I've played with myself included if you're having that where you hit a couple and you haven't come off and you tend to just go look just give me a safe one he doesn't have that doesn't gene. go hiding no he just has that thing where oh like he's reset is brilliant and, and I love that about him as well I know he gets a lot of stick defensively I don't think it's as pronounced as it was before I think because Liverpool are better set up as well now they do can see don't get me wrong you can see three goals at the weekend yeah, Kelleher in goal as well you know a couple of ones him. went through his feet and yeah. you, you, you think if he's a bit more match sharp he's probably getting to them as in well, it's so why would you put it down the ground just a lack of match sharpness really at that level yeah I remember talking to uh, Gavin Bazuno about this having a conversation with him about the levels he was just after 
was on loan at Rochdale, Portsmouth, and he was obviously then in the Premiership. And I said, "What? What's the biggest jump?" And he says, "It's he says how quick they finish in in the Premiership. It's one touch back." He says, "You're not your reaction time has to be a lot quicker." He says, "The ball travels across the box quicker, and the and the one touch finishing in that area." And he was obviously we were having the conversation, and he says, "In this area, as in a six yard box." To the eighteen, he says one touch finish bang. He says you, you're shifting your feet, and he says at the other levels you're able to go right. I can get set. He says now it's like I need to get set quicker, and I need to get eye contact quicker with where with the ball, and have so that vision. More anticipation yeah, now. And, yeah, he's yeah. like he says that the speed of thought. I have to be quicker as a goalkeeper. He said because the, their speed of thought is quicker and getting the shots away. I think I had that conversation with him last year, uh, last um, Christmas. And uh, that that's what stuck with me was the, just how quick they finish in the box one touch like. And he's doing all right with Southampton. Southampton are, are coming up in the championship now, but he's been linked with Spurs for some reason. And must must quite fancy the, the look of him. Yeah, I don't know. Like uh, I think Vicario was doing quite a good yeah. job. I'd be surprised if they actually moved on from him. Like he's one of the top performers in the in uh, the league. Maybe to bring Bazuno in as an understudy, which wouldn't be great. Uh, I, Ireland, I, really. I wouldn't. I think that would be a step a sideward step for him. The fact that he's a starting goalkeeper and being given the trust by Southampton even through difficult periods. Yeah. Uh, for Kelleher, I think it's time to move on from Liverpool a little bit. You think so? Yeah, like surely there must be a club upper championship, lower Premier League that are going to be willing to take a gamble on him. Um, he's getting to that age where it's like it's it's do or die for him now. He's either going to be a full-time sub-goalkeeper sub for Liverpool or he's going to be... Because Edison's going to be there for the next... Or, sorry, Alisson's going to be there for the next three, four years. At least, you would think. Yeah, big yeah. time, big time. Um, the the speed of, of, of movement and the speed of ball is very interesting to me in terms of the Premier League because Matt Doherty was speaking a couple of years ago about when he was, when, when he was with Wolves and he was talking about the levels of it and Ruben Neves came up and it was like every pass that he gives to you is battered at you. Pink. And it's, it's up to you to control it. If you don't control it, and if you don't find a pass within two touches, that's on you. That's not on him for battering the ball at you. So that's that's sort of the levels. And there was actually a study done uh, not so long ago, and speed was shown as the deciding factor of players that make it and players who don't. And that includes athleticism, and it also includes speed of thought. So okay. players who come up through the academies, what's the deciding factor? So speed. Point three of a second, you say top level decision making. Decision yeah. making. Yeah. Wow, how is that even? How is that even measured? I don't know if you saw. Did you see the Tielemans video from preseason with Aston Villa? And uh, they strapped a GoPro to him. And oh, this was, it was in America. This, yeah, yeah. there's a preseason game. They strapped a GoPro yeah. to Tielemans when he came on, and everyone came out of that saying, thinking, "Jesus Christ!" Like he was sprinting the entire time. Anytime he was moving, he was sprinting, yeah. and he was still behind the play. Like it's and Tielemans is one of those players you wouldn't even you know associate with tracking back and running. No, exactly. And doing all yeah, the running, like you know, like, it is honestly like you 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 go up levels and you think I'm playing a different game here. Yeah. Like or now when we went up levels, you're like like a different sport. I, yeah, I think anybody who's is, like, anybody who's played football who's gone up levels, you're just like. It's incredible how fast people think and move. And that's why I laugh. You know, I I, I struggle to watch games with people and pubs oh, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they're slaughtering people. And you're like, <laughs> you for real, man? Yeah. Couldn't kick, couldn't kick a ball out of your way. Yeah. Like the the thought process and the and the, even explaining it. Someone said to me, "How do you explain how you do that as a centre back?" And you're like, and then I realised like that your mate, you, footballers make 
10 decisions in the head of what could happen, what can happen, what will happen based off a touch he takes. So he's taking a touch, touches under his feet, can't play long, ongoing tight. It's on his, it's on this side of the foot. Can so we're doing I, all this analysis, all this calculation. Off of, off of one second of a yeah. touch and then the quicker ones do it quicker. Right. And the quicker ones then pre-act, predict what you can do and can't do. And that's where... I, I remember Henri spoke about it, about someone asked him, because he does a lot of stuff in America, about throwing a football and lobbing it over the um, a wide receiver or a wide receiver and the skill of it. And he said, football is harder. He says, you're doing that with your hand. He says, try to do that with your foot, which is as far away from your brain. As, <laughs> and, and dropping that over, making sure it clears the defender, but it's dropping nicely for the winger to come onto it. He says, there's an unbelievable skill in that that people probably don't realise. And when what Trent does, I'm going, sorry, it's a good circle back to Trent <laughs> there. But that's the bit that I love, like that every, you can hit every type of pass. You can hit Diag, you can hit a first timer, you can get a low cut, you can bend one. Like there's nothing technically he can't do. And most of the passes he hits in terms of putting people, and he's always trying to hit that killer one. It's always like, can I have eyes down the pitch and hit the best pass? Because he's capable play? of Because he's capable. And you're like, but the vision it takes to do that and the depth awareness in, in his vision. I, I, like, I heard somebody say, like, he's probably technically one of the best footballers in the Premier League at the moment in that type of vision and passing-wise. I think he's exceptional. I think Gary Neville, Gary Neville said that, like, be, even though he's a defender, right full, because of his technical... Ability set could be the best best right back of all time. Mm. He's that good of a player on the ball, and he doesn't have what Walker has, which is the recovery pace. Trippier has good technique, but and he's real active, like you know, very athletically minded. And he was excellent in the United game, actually, really, really good. And he's tenacious. But Trent just has this like a, I don't want to say a Glenn Hoddle type of relaxedness about playing because no, there's a swagger. Yeah, or something, there's, isn't a, there? there's a little like a yeah. look at. What's the rush here? Yeah. And it always seems... <laughs> to have loads of time. Yeah, and, and you're like, how does he have o- always yeah. have loads of time? And that's... Good players have that. Modric has that. Yeah. How does he find that space? Like, you know, As so. you know, you found I want to hate Liverpool players, but I can't hate Trent because he's such a good footballer. Same, but it was the same <laughs> when United were flying. I used to, I used to hate United, like, hated them. And then you'd see, like, like Scalds have scored a crack and you'd think, oh, what a player. And then Keane, you'd love Keane. Still, look, I could never hate Dennis Irwin as much as he was, like... I'd, like He's in my top favourite Cork people of all time. <laughs> and I don't like Cork, but Dennis Irwin's in it, like, you know. But, like, love Dennis Irwin, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, it's hard to hate some of them, isn't it? Like, yeah, just because that good. Just, as, as footballers, they just yeah. seem so good and they bring so much to the game. Um, moving on to... Wambasaka. Oh, 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 Jesus Christ. Wambasaka, oh, listen, uh, where do we even start? Look... <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, you know, um, do you know what it's the highlight of my month sure when it it was. during the league when Bows are playing and I come in and I'm like how would you just go on the week no, full well known he's oh. probably you know, Graham as, you, as I said to you on a previous podcast you enjoy um, the suffering I've a, I've a degree in suffering at the moment enjoy uh, an honest degree in suffering <laughs> at the moment do you remember Bo- what I said last week Eric about that game the first thing I said about it was if you look at the Newcastle players and the United players the difference in attitude Oh, look at the difference in attitude in that game like. yeah it's crazy, it, like, incredible, and like even though it was a one 0 defeat, it was oh, gee, for yeah. a five. It was a one 0 hiding, like never, like maybe a couple of minutes towards the end was a. Little, but even then, you're kind of going, well, it was nothing like, and 
you know, I, 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 we had bench, sell, or what was it? By play, it? bench, or sell. Start um, bench, sell. And I, and I put Rashford in. And within the space of a week, I want to change that <laughs> to uh, to sell. Um, and I've always loved Marcus Rashford to defend him to the hilt. And I know what he brings to uh, the community off the pitch, an amazing ambassador. Um, but at the end of the day, he's getting paid 350 grand a week to play for his boyhood club. He's a fan. He's come to the academy. He's everything that you would want in a Manchester United player. But then you're seeing these clips. You know, I don't know whether there's, like, if you can take them in isolation. Um, they look worse than they are. Um, you, you wonder, is there so much going on in his head? Maybe he is so depressed at how bad United are that it's feeding into his performance. But when you see Livermento just skipping past him and he's just throwing his hands up in the air and he's walking back, you're kind of going, there's something not right there. Mm. That is wrong. Like, you know, he's supposedly one of the new leaders in the dressing room. He's 26 years of age. He's not a kid anymore. And I just thought that clip that we saw with him and Livermento was just very damning. Was it hard to watch as a fan? It was. was And as someone who always defended him and and loved him. And and listen, I still think he's a brilliant player and capable, but that just sends out the wrong message. And it kind of undermines Ten Hag as well. And, you know, where, like, What's it? What's his name? Uh, Matt has just come out today saying we had a real problem with United players coming to train and late all the time, and he named Sancho as one of the players who was always late for training. And there's the word that got me, Graham. Always, yeah. right? How is that happening at time and time again? How is that not nipped in the board? How is that not like oh, two, no, three strikes no. and you are out? Constantly happening. Um, and Sancho apparently so like is good. respect, like the, yeah, the, respect like, to your teammates as well, like your you club, know, respect your profession. Yeah. You know, like if you're late, if you're early. If you're early, you're wasting your own time. If you're late, you're wasting someone else's. And and, and there's a lack of respect in that. And and if you're not going to respect your club or your teammates, then you're right. I, I 100% agree with that. And that, look at that. We can mitigate in circumstances. You can ring ahead and say, like I worked with manager Paul Doolan. Like, lad, lads were walking in at two minutes to ten, so we changed the time. Now, that's not late, but ten o'clock we were meant to meet at. You changed the time to quarter to ten. Just because he so was that you're like, ready for ten? Just yeah, no, like we 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 had to be in the building for ten for half ten training. Okay, but because the lads were cutting it so fine sometimes at two minutes to ten, even though they weren't late, it annoyed them that much that he changed it. No, you have to be in a quarter to ten. Mm. Now, most of the time we were in a half nine, but you, for any reason you could have been late. But that was just something that he thought. No, I'll fix that. And you and you weren't late. And if you were late, even today, if you said I was meeting Paul for something. I'd made sure I was 10 minutes early. <laughs> but that level of demand on it was what you're talking about, that you are, it's, it's the bit, I don't think players, and, I, and I have, I've been thinking about this for watching United say, and, and, and people say they're top players and people say they're top professionals. Top players and top professionals don't tell you they're top professionals, they just are. And, and, and you, oh, we're talking about players, I have a lot of time for Roy Keane as, as a player, I have a lot of time for Steven Gerrard as a player. I have a lot of time for Tony Cruz as a player. I have a lot of time for the likes of Luka Modric or all these players that have worked under multiple managers, multiple managers, but still performed. So they're not looking at them going, what are you going to do to get the best out of me? I'll get it out of myself. I will drive myself. I have a professional player. I'm getting well paid. I have my own standards. I will drive this to my level. And if you make us successful, great. If you don't, I'm, it's not going to be pointed at me that I was the one that down tools. And I have a lot of admiration for them type of players. And I think they get overlooked. I think they get. I don't think they get enough praise for 
how professional they were. Roy Keane in 2001 was the top goal scorer in their group. Unbelievable in that qualifying. Unbelievable. And he done it while playing for a manager he didn't like. Yeah. Gerard had worked under five or six different managers at Liverpool. He was still the best player because he wasn't playing for the manager. He was playing for the club. And that's where I think Rashford and all these United players need to realise can't keep blaming this guy in the dugout because we've gone through enough of them. The book stops with me. Yeah. And but what was interesting about that marriage piece, I thought, was that they actually tried to do sort of player power in a way that he, the, he was like the president of like the player the finance committee yeah, or, or whatever. Yeah. And they tried to manage the, the senior players tried to manage themselves. And that didn't even help. Yeah. Like if you're not getting shamed by letting your own teammates down. Yeah then that is a serious problem on, on your attitude. Like, and, uh, and the reason I brought that up was because, you know, um, it's, I suppose it's well documented that Rashford and Sancho are really good friends. Yeah. And you're wondering, like, the, 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 the isolation of, of, of Sancho, is that having an effect on Rashford? And if it is, like, sorry, Marcus, but grow the fuck up. You're yeah. on 350 oh, grand. Look, I, I, I was I, both sides of it. I was in the dressing room where one of my friends wasn't getting a game. And you keep him going. I was on the other end of it where I wasn't playing much and you still have to carry yourself, right? Like, you know, we're still... There was a video from the Arsenal, um, the Amazon documentary, where I can't remember what player it was, but it it might have been Enketia or one of the players that was on the sort of the outer circle of who's getting playing or who's regularly playing and who's starting. And uh, he's he's sulking in the canteen. And um, I think it was Saka... um, goes through him and he's he's like if you're not getting playing that's on you that's your fault work harder yeah. you know, work harder in training show the manager why you should be starting and like that's yeah. what that's the mentality exactly yeah he, he wasn't getting playing he wasn't like yeah. breaking into the team and he was sort of sulking in the canteen and he was called out by one of the one of the other younger players who was good playing he's like well and it's your divide, fault if you're not playing you see the void you see it you, you see it because you're watching United a lot more and then there's players that are trying to the point where they're trying too hard to show that they care. Bruno. Bruno can be a bit like that. And then I saw it in Harry Maguire a little bit. He's running out of positions uh, to try and think. And, and you're like, he's, he, you can say, look, he's, he's trying here. And then there's an element of they're playing up to the gallery a little bit. Anthony has that, where he comes on and just kicks people to show, look, I'm, I'm, I'm really frustrated we're losing. Like... It's all optics, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, yeah. and and then you see the other lads who, like a Rashford, who'd be like, you can you can imagine them going, you're just being busy for them. Like, and and that division is just they're just not there. And we've sat here and gone, you know, you're not a poor team at the moment, and that was coming, even though they've been having good results. People going, but we're not doing too bad. No, you aren't playing well. Mm-hmm. You aren't together. You aren't connected, and and you're giving up too many soft goals. But there's an element of when the chips are down, it's every man for themselves. Yeah. They're not in it. When there's, there's no togetherness when it gets tough with them. And that's a sign of a really weak team mentally, that there's no togetherness when the chips are down. It's there. When it's going well, they'll enjoy it. But um, I don't yeah. see it. Tough, tough times at uh, Old Trafford and for Man United fans. Much to the delight of everyone else out there. <laughs> I'm glad we're entertaining you. Um, another uh, result over the weekend, which myself and Anna were talking about earlier on, and we think it could have. Now, put your tinfoil hat on here, uh, Ryan. We think it could have ramifications further down the line, potentially for the Irish manager's job, right? Now, hear me, hear me out, Graham, right? Burnley beat Sheffield United 5-0, right? Heckenbottom, say a lighter, pal. Sacked, 
Now, uh, as a consequence of that, Sunderland also sacked Tony Mowbray. Now, the talk is Heckenbottom is in the running for the Sunderland job. Okay, Sunderland quite fancy him. Um, Mowbray, who's done it, he's been there at, at Sunderland 16 months. There are three points out of the playoff places, playing good football with a young team. Um, Beaten in the playoff semi-final last season by Luton. Yeah. Um, good job at Blackburn. A good job. And I'm just wondering, and, and uh, Tony Mowbray, uh, and the reason Ender has, I suppose, a, a link with him is because his time at Celtic. Yeah. yeah. Um, Manager of Hibs as well. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And you, you, you were obviously in Scotland uh, at Dundee uh, as, as an assistant coach. Um, did you come across Mowbray in, your, in, in, in day-to-day no, touchline he, dealings? He or? I don't think he was no? at. No, the Hibs managers, when I was there, he went through a few, I think it was... Lennon, Neil right. Lennon, I told you about that <laughs> Another one. Another yeah. one. Yeah, Lennon was there. He would have been at Scotland, or he would have been at Celtic for the couple of months when you were at St. Johnson. I tell you, I did. I played against him in his first home game. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, good man. Well done, Ender. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, he does his research. I got Gar- someone does. Gartland. Five-two, <laughs> 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 that Yeah, so, um, yeah, he, he had taken over uh, back in I think it was 2000 start the 2009 season yeah, yeah. yeah and um, we got them the second game at Celtic Park yeah and it was one of those it was I, mean, I just remember being hot and uh, I'll start the season so yeah, much still yeah and it was yeah it was five, we were five one down and they were flying at the time McGeady <laughs> Maloney like wow. yeah, yeah they were flying and <laughs> my brother Declan came over to the game. And all his all his mates would be mad Celtic fans, but Declan was I, I got Declan and his friend a ticket and they're in the away section, small little slip in the corner. <laughs> and he's like he's trying to talk to me after the game, you know, and he's like, Yeah. I wouldn't say you done I wouldn't say you did you do, you done well, like <laughs> but I look I didn't think you done bad. You like you didn't do bad. He said, But like it was like you couldn't get close enough to anyone to do anything good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, the 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 the, the tic tac does that day. You were excellent, but the, he that leads on to Lennon getting the job. Yeah. So yeah, we yeah. De- I think he lost away to St Mirren three 0 I'm not sure if it was the League Cup game, but uh, he used to play great football. He was he did he always played good football. Tony, Tony Mowbray, Tony like I know, but uh, Tony Mowbray. But yeah, he, he lasted about six months. But he got the job off the back of the good job he had done at Hibs, I think. Yeah, he was out, he was with West Brom before. Yeah. He did all right with them, and I think it was just more his links with Scotland and his links uh, with yeah. the club back in the day. But yeah, I think the Celtic job came far too soon for him. Yeah, um, it was very young in his management career relative to. Plus Rangers were yeah. strong then. Rangers, Rangers were strong. Had, like Walter, Walter. Oh, Loudrop and all that. Yeah. No, no, no. It was, it was after them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Walter Smith had come back rally McCoist and the like. I remember playing against us, Davis in midfield. Like uh, weird. Oh, they were like they were that out of two teams. Rangers would kill you. Like, yeah, you know, they were they were stronger in the league, and those, those last couple of years yeah. under Gordon Strachan, Celtic were sort of wearing the players had lost interest in Strachan, and then when Tony, Tony Mowbray took over, Ed McGiddy spoke about it like he was probably a bit too modern for that period of football. Like you, Ed McGiddy spoke about like drills he was doing, and nobody understood what the point of the drills were, and these things. He was very, I think he was very tactical in training the players. Didn't really like that because Gordon Strachan wasn't really like that, but. Um, like you mentioned, like the hammering you got, like what was it like as a player for like the likes of St. Johnson going up against? Oh, we were like, just we're promoted. Levels, like. We were just promoted, and uh, 
you got obviously the promoted team. You get your first. It's a big thing in Scotland, so you get your first game at home. So Rangers would always get whoever was champions the year before. You always start with a home game, and you unveil the flag. So we had our first home game, and it was against Motherwell, and um, we were two one up. I had scored. It's SPL debut, like I scored. Like, you days. know, I was like. <laughs> yes. This is handy. This is there great. <laughs> and I'd had a tough uh, few months there with injuries and stuff. So when I first came, but then uh, you're going right. We're going to Celtic Park, <laughs> and we're like, so we go four five one, and like, you just you just walk out, and like it's funny because you know all the songs. So in the warm up, <laughs> I'm like, you know, let the people, and I'm like, oh, I can't. I'm looking, laughing with it because the the system manager was. Um, Sister manager is now manager of Dundee, Tony Doherty, and obviously, but with the name, you'd know he's like, you can't be singing that, and I'd be like, it's catchy, isn't it? And we're having that joke, like you know. And then you real, and then the game kicks off, and you're like, well, like they just like it's sixty thousand people. And I was talking to somebody. Someone asked me about the cup final. Say when you're playing in that big a stadium and that big a crowd, what do you notice? And I'm going, you only notice really eye level like you only know it was up to the middle t- middle tier because the ball will never go to the point where you have to do that it, it just doesn't so you, you it, it tends to be that level around you um, which is just you know tw- just above the goal I'd yeah. say like five yards above the goal and that's all you see but it's only when you step back at times or there's a lull in the game where you go you take it all in yeah you go uh, and it was one of those where I thought I'll take this in and then I went oh and then I go, shit, we're getting the run around here. Better, <laughs> leave, better tune back in. But it was like Samaros and like <coughs> it'd be such a, and everyone they were putting on was good and they could all move and play. And in fairness, our record against Celtic wasn't great. We went, we actually went about two years later. We went to Celtic Park and won one nil. But that was big for us because we just couldn't. We beat Rangers well one time. We beat Rangers something like four one in in, in uh, McDermott Park. Uh, but then Lennon came over and Celtic just became this very similar to Rangers in that they weren't playing as much football. They got through the winter months, which was just really just grinding out results, just became a powerhouse of a football team. Both of them, I don't think people realise this and because and, and, we're so far removed, they're, they're just massive, massive football clubs. They're, they're all consuming in Scotland. There's some great clubs in Scotland. Hearts and Hibs, a brilliant fan base, Wonderful stadiums, great little park, great part of Edinburgh. Aberdeen are massive in terms of all the history. Ferguson, right up on the coast, great little ground. But what really moves the needle in Scotland is Celtic and Rangers, and they're just massive, massive football clubs. Like they're so, so big, and the expectation on them from within is just massive. Like, but it, it was yeah, great. Even going and coaching against them, you know, you catch the tail end of Brendan Rodgers, you're on the sideline. You know, coaching against him, you catch the the start of Stephen Gerrard, who would have been a Liverpool fan. So my brothers are all onto me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, going graph, look, yeah, I'm yeah. going. Look, yeah. I have to go and coach against them. Yeah, so yeah. be professional. Yeah, yeah, like and and he was good. And Gary McAllister was really good. And you stand and have a chat with them. The fella before them, Pacina, was it uh, Cachina, the Portuguese lad. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He was just a gobshite, like, you know, like <laughs> like. Like you, so you 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 go and you go and meet these people in the in the dress rooms afterwards, and you come in and have I a drink, know. and you have a and you have a conversation, and it's something that I think probably should come into Ireland because 
it's really good. Like it's it's good. You sit and have it, and you, and in well, it's, it's a massive heat in the just, battle. It just it puts the tensions to bed. Yeah, and there's a realm like this, and everybody's competitive in the game. And you come in and have a chat, and then a lot of things can be done. Look, I like him. You know, look, I might have a lone player. All that thing that can happen in the room. We went into. Now Rangers is really old fashioned stadium, really unique in that sense, and there's a big you have a big office where and Neil McCann was obviously a Rangers legend, like and would have been worked under Walter Smith there, Alec McLeish, like and everybody would go, That's that's Walter's room. Like he still has he still held with that regard at, at Rangers. And you walk in and there's about twenty people in the office and obviously he's meant to just be the staff and he's like, you know, he's trying to get Neil come on and taste this wine I brought it all in and we're like you know and, the, and we're just gone it was just a bit of a, a bit crass like you know I found a very uh, I'd I, I use the term unprofessional but they're, they're trying to obviously just show their grandeur like tables full of cheese boards and all these like fancy stuff they brought in and you're like and Neil's looking going this isn't Rangers like this isn't what this isn't the club that you go into the office Walter would stand up he'd still have his suit on he'd you know, Alec McLeish was the same. They'd meet and greet you in a way that was done in a professional. Sorry, Neil worked under Dick Advocat. Apologies. And Dick Advocat was the one that would go, like, this is the way he had everything professional, short mm. toy for all the games. Always had that Rangers toy. Yeah, he? all yeah. that. You had to eat all together. No one could eat before he sat down. All these things. He had a, like, military-style operation. And he's like, oh, that's not the way uh, the gaffer would have wanted that, like, in terms of Dick Advocat. And it, just that... Thing of no, no, you'll have the wine up. I fly her in from Portugal all the time, and Neil's like, Look, I don't want the glass of wine, <laughs> wine. I'm driving home. Like, yeah. he just wanted to get out of there. But there was a lack of when they won, they had a lack of class. And when we beat them, we beat them one night on a Friday night game. I end up having to take the game. Neil's dad had a heart attack that night, and he rang me and said, You're gonna take the game. And I was like, Yeah, what? Well, was like, I was only in the range. job three months, yeah, three months on the telly gonna take the game all right neil comes turns up walks down the turn like runs out uh takes the game runs back drives back to the hospital like and the measure of the man like i know people think of me i'm going on about neil mccann and he's a rangers man but the measure of him like he his dad died then the morning we played motherwell and he was still at the game that's why I think it was a bit harsh when Dundee got rid of him because of all the personal stuff he'd gone through mm. and still kept us on the road as a club. I think he deserved a bit more grace. But What was your association with, with Neil McCann in, in terms of getting the job as his assistant? Um, I was in tra he came in training at St. Johnson and I was playing a little bit at the time and then I ended up being out. I'd done my knee and uh, I just would have got on well with him. I would have given him stick. I would have slagged him all the time. Told Singing him Celtic was, songs. Yeah, told him he was like, you know, he's sell out and like <laughs> but like I would have given him stick. But I think what Neil's seen was it goes back to it. When I was struggling and I wasn't in the team, I was I tried to be as good a teammate as I could be. And if you were in my position, I made sure I was gracious and I worked as hard as anybody and I was tried to be as good around the dressing room as I could. Uh, didn't if I wasn't picked again, it wasn't your fault that I wasn't picked. I'd go and sp I'd speak to the manager. I kept that level of professionalism. I was always on time, I was always in the gym. I'd done extra for when I was ready, and when I was ready, I got put in. I, I performed that's that was the way I and he remembered that. I meant he'd be a good fella, yeah, and that's yeah. what he'd done. And then I, 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 I'd be really close to him to this day. Uh, and when I got when we got called in to 
get the sack, basically. They offered me the job as head of the academy. They said, would you stay on and take over as head of the academy? And I just said, no. So as I came in with Neil, he brought me in. I'm going to go with him, like, you know. Now, <laughs> that was tough because uh, from a financial point of view, Neil, Neil was all right. Like, yeah. I was thinking, well, I, I, like, you know, I've wife and two kids here. But I, I just thought morally it was the right decision to make, and, I, and I'm glad I make it, made it. And to this day, I'd still be really close with Neil. Neil would have helped organise our trip to Ajax through he's a good friend his of connections his connections like yeah. well all, the whole he played with half the Ajax team didn't he Ron at the board <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so, um, but he was a really like top top player like really good punder so see, see the likes of the academy work at Dundee and even when you were with St. Johnson and like the the budgets you just have in comparison to Celtic and Rangers like what what's it like being part of a league where you know alright these two teams are just Way, way, <laughs> like uncatchable. Yeah, like oh, in, yeah. in a re, in real terms, and I think a lot of people don't realize. Well, maybe they do. I don't know. The SPFL, they look at it and they, they think Celtic Rangers, nobody else, and that's it yeah. really. But a lot of people don't realize what you're talking about is that like a lot of these Scottish clubs are very much like the Irish clubs in terms yeah. of their budget. They're marginal, Dependence, marginal, yeah. really, really working. I off. took a pay cut to go on to St John's. Yeah, it's crazy. From what I was on, I done dropped it. Like, no yeah. way. Yeah. Like, what's it like? Training being, ground was. Terrible, no gym. When we first went there, we trained in three different locations in a week. It's better now, yeah. but like Dundee have no training ground. When we went back there as a coach, like we trained in two different locations uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Everything was done out of stadium. We had no, we couldn't stay back and do extra, no facilities whatsoever. I, I find it very amusing and I know because like I know how big of a Celtic hat you wear like I love when they all come on and go how can we compete in Europe we're up against all these bohemians and you're going well you're not saying that in the SPL when you're going to Ross County and Ross County are putting her up to you and you might win 3-1 and you're like yeah yeah and you're going your budget is 10 times what Ross County's is like your reserve team budget is higher than probably the bottom three teams in the SPL. Rangers, like we used to play Rangers all the time in friendly games over Christmas because they had a heated training ground pitch. So the pitch was always so the playable. Pitch was always playable. <laughs> and, and Derek McGuinness got on really well with Walter Smith. Um, and Ali, when Ali McCoyst, Ali McCoyst is one of the nicest fellas you'll ever meet in your life. Yeah. Re- like brilliant, brilliant guy. Really, really helpful. What you see is what you get. Genuinely, had a, had a con- phone conversation with him a month after he got sacked. He was unbelievable. Really, really positive. Something that stay with you, like, but like they just and then the decision goes against them, and it's like the biggest thing in the world. And you're you're sitting there as as being on the other end of it, going, "We get nothing." Our Ibrox, our Celtic Park. We went to Celtic Park, played really well against them. Uh, we lost one nil under Brendan Rodgers. And what happened was Brendan Rodgers came out and said something a little bit after the game, and he didn't. I don't think he meant it, but we should have had a penalty. One of the lads. Jack Hendry, who we ended up signing a month later, jumped for a header, and the boy just jumped straight back into him, split his eye under there. And it's a stone wall penalty, like, didn't get it. We played really well. And Roger said something like, look, sometimes the wee teams scream for things that, you know, and that that annoyed Neil, like, to the point where Neil... Patronising almost, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly, Neil found the patronising. And the, we played them on Boxing Day. And we went out and you shake hands and Neil said to him, like, so we're not a wee team, like, 
And he's went, what? He says, we're not a wee team. He says, we'll go toe-to-toe with you. <laughs> and I love that about him. Yeah. Love that about Neil. That thing of, like, you just have everything, but we're going to go, which is like... And in fairness to, to Brendan Rodgers, he had a chat after the game and he apologised. Like mm. He said, look, I didn't mean it that way, but... And that's where that comes into into play, where you say the managers meet and have a drink and have exactly, a bit of respect yeah. after and, the and, game. And, that, and then, like, look, he was very good to, to both of us when, when we got sacked. He, like, you know, he was he was on the phone to Neil and asking about myself and just, like, look, keep going and mm. coaching. And, and he was good, like, that stuff. Uh, but the difference in... Brendan Rodgers' Celtic were classy when you turned up. It was all done properly. A little bit can be a bit false at times, but it was it was done in a way that it was really, really good. Rangers weren't like that when we played them. They were like that when Walter Smith had them. They were like that with, with McCoyst, obviously, when they went down the leagues. They lost the Wicachina, and then I think they got it back then when Gerrard came in. They had an element of class about them again. Uh, and, and and that was what I always remember it would be the difference in how they treated you mm. like Walter Smith I know he passed away like he'd wait at the end of the tunnel for every player to come at the end and shake your hand and say well done son well done son and I was like like class like you know Ali, Ali McCoy said something to me when I first went over there I'd done a story in the paper it was a bit of a hit job on it and, and the headline I wasn't happy with and I stopped doing stuff for the press in Scotland. Bloody journalist. Yeah, I was unsure uh, of them. Yeah, yeah the Scottish, I, Scottish press. They twisted everything. Yeah, they twisted it. And, and every, like, like, he'll tell you this. So when you're playing against Celtic or Rangers, the week up to it, the Irish player will always get pulled out for the interviews. Like, you know, what's it mean to play against Celtic? You must be delighted going to Celtic Park. And you're like, I play for a different team. I, I, I'm, my job is to play well for them. Oh, you're playing against Rangers. It must, must be great playing against Rangers. You must want to really get stuck in. And you're like, no, I get the same three points as beating them as I do someone else. So they nearly try and manipulate it. But I had done a story when I, uh, they announced me signing because they said Rangers were interested in you. Uh, uh, there was an interest from Rangers we, we read about a month ago, Graham. Um, would that be something that would still interest you? And I went, not really. I signed for St. Johnson. And then he went, but would you play for Rangers? As an Irishman, would you play for Rangers? And I went, yeah, why wouldn't I? I says, why wouldn't I play for Rangers? I went, if every club has a chance to sign any player, and if that's the only club that wants to sign me, why, as in, why wouldn't I sign for them? Would you rather me give up football? And then I said something along the lines of, well, Zenit St. Petersburg don't sign black players at the time or are racist towards black players. Why don't you ask me would I sign for them? You know, was in like just trying to give you a bit of better understanding. And then the headline is Gartland looking for Rangers move, and <laughs> <laughs> we played we played Rangers. What in a the, leap forward! I that know. Is. And yeah. then we played Rangers in, in the in the Scottish Cup about two weeks later. And I was walking off the pitch, and Ali McCoy came over to me and says, "Here, big man," and I went, "Me?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, you, you, you." And I'm looking around like you know, thinking, "What?" What's... And he said to me, "I read your article," and I went. The headline's crap. And he went, no, no, I read your article, he said. I read the article. He says, what you said was brilliant. He says, it's football, kid. That's all it is. It's football. Yeah. He says, all the best. He says, fair play to you for saying it. He says, I know I know you might have got a lot of stick for it. He says, but fair play to you. He says, and that's all it is. It's football. Come on, we go and enjoy it. And he walks off. And I was like, and ever from that day on, I thought, what a, what a man. What, a, yeah. what an unbelievable gentleman he is. McCoist yeah. is just, he's top notch. I met him uh, this year. Like, he's just, he is exactly how he comes Impossible across. Impossible to dislike almost. Oh, yeah. com- completely. Like, yeah. we, we did a, 
I did the overlap with Celtic Rangers uh, fans uh, with Chris Sutton and Ali McCoyst and like McCoyst after the every single person wanted a photo stood in yeah. asked you how you were asked you what, like how you think things are going like he is he yeah. is just like that uh, Graham uh, we probably, he's probably sorry he's probably the funniest eyes the quick wittest man I've ever really been yeah. around Straight in terms in. of yeah. one liner bang <laughs> like I I know we're probably coming uh, to the end of the podcast but I can't not ask you about 2012 and being part of the league when Rangers go bust like where <coughs> where were you at that point were you still I was just about in? to leave actually yeah I was so 2012 that's that Christmas I left uh, I was I actually signed for hours Um yeah, it was just, there was inklings of it. I think Graham Spears had, had done a story saying, do you have a big tax bill? <laughs> and uh, to this day, Neil, like I'd be walking down the street and Neil was still get stick, Neil McCann was still get stick about it. Like, you know, <laughs> you owe that old tax money. And I'm like, I said, <laughs> and I always, I always slag him, like, you know, I give him, I, I would give him a stick about it, like, you know, so which fund was that, if we pay for dinner, and I go, which fund was that? <laughs> I just, um, one of the funniest, uh, sorry, comedy, comedy routines just jumped to my head was Kevin Bridges talking about Rangers, said he was going through all of their, the, the outcomes that he had, and he pulled up, he says, one thing that really caught my attention was that we spent 50 quid, they spent 50 quid on face painting. Yeah, for the kids, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was like, how did that work out? And he was talking with the members of the board, going, look, we might be in financial crisis, but look at Jimmy there with the great toy. <laughs> yeah. He looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, he's cheering us up with it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it was, I think there was an arrogance around Rangers at the time a little bit. And it, it wasn't from the, the staff or anything like that, but it was more like, won't happen us, like. That, Too big, yeah. Like, like Rangers are an institution up there. They are, mm. and and Celtic are as well. Uh, but the, the, the Rangers see them; they, they call them the, the establishment, like you know. And they never thought this will happen to us. And because they're so pro, maybe the the whole British side of it, they're not going to turn on us. Like we pictures of the Queen everywhere here, like you know, a picture of the Queen in the dress. Yeah, room. we're the model club. Yeah, yeah. Like so, we're like they're not going to come after us. Uh, and then when they did and it just starts snowballing you're like where, where's this gonna go and then all of a sudden they're toured here and you're like how did that happen that like that quick but financially like and this is what you're saying about Scottish football financially because they're season ticket sales and because they are so financially backed in terms of sponsorship they were paying unbelievable wages yeah. to play in the because of the home, home gates as well. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. and that's where you, most Scottish clubs work off that. They don't like the the TV money. The TV money is which is what put the Premier League on a different stratosphere now. It's a different game, and 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 Celtic and Rangers are trying to capitalise on that. But the money they get from Sky isn't a lot. It's not a lot. Like, and people think, oh, you guess you guess Sky money. You don't like Air, like Air Budget Dundee. You wouldn't have seen it was still based off your season ticket sales. Yeah, the sky deal is pathetic and it's gone. Yeah, so. it's and it's, is it is it is it like the Spanish football deal where it's just given to the two big clubs? The big, the no, big no, no, point? it's it's split up. But like we're talking about like twenty million worth split yeah. up amongst the the ten top teams. Like yeah. that's how bad it is. Wow. It's, it's really, really, really pathetic. Yeah. Um, and it's it's maddening. I can't imagine what it'd be like to support a an, another club in Scotland other than Celtic and Rangers because the games that they put on is generally Celtic or Rangers. And 
you yeah. know, if you're lucky enough to be playing. And the half eleven, then you yeah. get like we we would have played a lot. I would have played against Celtic and Rangers on Sky, and they were always. I remember I played. One of them was a half eleven kickoff and got called off because the pitch was frozen. That was our air place, but the, it's always an away game. It's always like can such and such be Celtic away from home? So it's a half twelve kickoff, and then we played played Celtic one evening. I think it ended up being a five o'clock game one evening. And there was a big protest on before the game. Not, I don't remember this. He knows everything about Celtic. And uh, they just kicked a load. All, all the Celtic fans just kicked a load of footballs onto the pitch. Like, oh, you know, I remember that. that yeah, you know, yeah. 200 footballs just raining like down. Tennis like, ball protest. Yeah, it was a bit like it. that. Yeah, it was all that. And we're sitting going, I'm like, what's this? So I just start trying to head them all. And then, uh, <laughs> it's a training session. Yeah, exactly. PTSD. I was just heading them all away. But yeah, it was just like strange like that. But... Like I, I always, that's where I giggle now because, like, and look, when you're Irish over there, I've had loads of interactions where I'd be walking down the street, bump into a fella, you go, ah, I'd go, thanks very much, and meet two boys who were with me, and they'd be like, ah, I must be a big Celtic man, are you? And I go, ah, oh, no, like, <laughs> and and they just presume because you're yeah, Irish, you're a Celtic man, and then you're sitting with, and then I'd be sitting with Neil, and then he's getting absolute dogs abuse. abuse, like sectarian abuse, and I'm sitting there going. I'm like, leave her out. And then they hear my accent. They go, what are you doing with him? And you're like, it's me mate. Like, and they're like, and then the other side of it, you're like, you're walking into grounds. I would be walking into Rangers grounds with him. And they'd just be slagging Irish people for just no reason whatsoever. And he'd be going, me mate's Irish. And they go, oh. And they, you what know. What are you doing with him? Yeah. <laughs> and then, so it was just that. But we, we had a good relationship about it. Like all, all Neil's family were Irish. I, he has um he has a uncle I was at his dad's funeral and they're all in the room and we're all singing songs at, at the funeral and it was and it was great. Like and he, his uncle Paddy he, uh, Patrick they called him, I just started calling him Paddy for the night and uh, stuck <laughs> and but yeah, it, it, it's a it's a strange like sectarian light I call it as in it's not real, is it's not but it's it's always underneath it up there, like you know. Yeah, that is the the, the underbelly up there, I suppose. Um, lads, we've come coming towards the end of the podcast, and again, you know, good. It's obviously a good podcast when the time flies, boy. We've covered a lot. Um, we will. I'm going to take a hiatus from speaking about Manchester United. You know, I don't care how well or how crap <laughs> they're doing over the next few weeks and over the Christmas period. I I'm not going to mention them until January. We'll see where we are in January, and then I'll mention them again. You can talk about them if you want to, and you can talk about them, Graham. I'm just not, not going to get involved because it's too depressing. It's affecting my mental health, and uh, and the League of Ireland season hasn't even started yet. So uh, <laughs> there's a lot of pain on the way for me. Uh, it's been episode 37, House of Football with Sports Show. Massive thanks to Graham Gartland and End the Call. Thanks for joining us, lads, and uh, we'll see you all again very very soon. Uh, leave us a comment below on YouTube. Join the conversation. And leave us a review on iTunes or any where you get your podcasts. And uh, as I said, it's spelled A M A Z I N G. Thank you. You've been listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe.